0: Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis through the lens of sustainability on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing Eurozone fixed income. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm delighted to be joined by Arnaud Guillaume Lamy, Head of Euro Aggregate Fixed Income. Welcome, Arnaud Guillaume, and thanks for joining me. Hello, Dan.
1: Welcome, everyone.
0: Arnold Guillaume, we think about you know really what an incredible year it's been. Uh and I guess in in the broad scheme of things, we could say that perhaps this is just the transition from this 50-year bull market and fixed income that we've had to something rather different. And alongside rising rates, which uh is a bit of a different environment than what we've had for quite a long time, we've also seen significant volatility. And what you think is right one week uh, or one day sometimes turns out to be the opposite the next day. So I imagine a quite challenging environment for a Euro-aggregate fixed income portfolio manager. So let's start then with the increase in rates that we've seen. Uh, We've had an unprecedented sell-off in fixed income markets this year. That said, the worst does seem to be behind us. We now have bond and money market funds with positive yields, uh, which is, of course, quite a good thing. The ECB's raised its deposit rate from negative 0.5 to 1.5% in the last four months. And another rise to at least 2% in December is priced in by the markets. We're at the point, actually, where markets are starting to talk about central bank pivoting. What does pivoting mean to you, Arnaud Guillaume, and what do you think the likelihood is that it will happen? Well, indeed,
1: Daniel, you're absolutely right. The central bank pivot theme is now central for the market. However, if by pivot one means that central banks are close to switch out of hiking rates into cutting rates, we're definitely still a long way from that. Central banks will keep on hiking and we do expect the ECB and the Fed to hike by 75 basis points again in December.
0: So you say you still anticipate both the Fed and the ECB hiking 75 bips Do you say that now even after this surprisingly uh, lower than expected inflation print we just had?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we, we still expect the, the ECB and the Fed to hike by 75 bps in, de- in December. However, it's fair to say that we might have passed the peak in terms of hawkishness if I may say so. Indeed, we've seen three central banks surprising to the downside on the rate hikes recently. The Bank of Canada raised rates by 50 bps, while the market was expecting 75 basis points. The Royal Bank of Australia, a large bank, hiked by 25 basis points versus 50 basis points expectations. So, so of course, Canada, Australia, and Norway have a quicker pass-through of the interest rate hikes to the economy due to their real estate markets. But it's a bit the canary in the coal mine. And so, as I've said, we expect 75 BIPs increase in the interest rate in December for both the Fed and the ECB. But while the risks were previously to the upside, the risks are now tilted to the downside. If they don't do 75 basis points, the alternative scenario is for 50 basis points, not for 100 basis points, unlike in the previous meetings. And the other point for this switch and the fact that we're past the peak of hawkishness, in is what we had in the speeches and comments of the ECB and the Fed. So in their speeches, the Fed and the ECB have kept a strong stance regarding the fight against inflation. However, in the last ECB press conference, growth and risks of recession came back much more often than in previous ones. So the weight between data and forecast may be more balanced. While till recently the data print had a much bigger weight into the reaction function of the ECB. And on the other side of the pond, in the last FOMC statement, the Fed mentioned that it will take into account the cumulative tightening of monetary policy and the lags with which monetary policy affects economic activity and inflation. So it doesn't mean that the Fed has become dovish, but we can expect that the pace of ice might slow down at the beginning of 2023. Most of the hikes have been made. And in fact, normalization of interest rate is done as well. When you look at five-year, five-year forward real yields, they're back to positive territory on both the euro side and the US side.
0: Well, I think that's a very key point that you just raised about the the Fed in particular being a bit more forward-looking, whereas we've gotten the impression over the last uh, several months that they seem to be quite backward-looking and concerns then that uh, they could hike too much if you're waiting for inflation to fall before you actually start uh, slowing down on the policy front. Back in the Eurozone, though, we think about, of course, not only the moves in government bond yields, boon yields, and so on. Uh, We also think about credit, and in particular, uh, there have been arguably bigger moves in investment-grade credit uh, in the Eurozone than necessarily high yield. More broadly, which sectors of the Eurozone fixed income market do you see as the most attractive? Uh, And where should investors be looking to build positions? Yeah, first of all, one specific point
1: is that carry should be king. With uh, years of zero or negative rates, we focused more on mark-to-market prices and returns on fixed income markets were linked to mark-to-market price evolution. But really, if you look on the long run, carry is the main source of return for fixed income. And fortunately for us, after an annual release for fixed income markets, carry is back on the agenda. So just to have in mind some levels, a euro aggregate index yield is around 3.10%. And the euro corporate index yield would be around 4.2%. So fixed income overall is definitely back to attractive for 2023. In terms of asset classes, it's interesting to look at the swap rates. Indeed, swap rates prices a 3% peak rate for the ECB depot rate, which is in line with our own forecast. And when I say swap rates, I talk about the uh, short-term swap contracts for a new exchange, fixed rates, again, Ester, uh, so uh, money market rates. So these swaps, uh, they do price what we expect for the uh, ECB depot rate, 3% which is already quite high. And what we like to favor within our allocation are these bonds that would – behave like the swap rates for which the yield would be very close to these uh, rates uh, of the swaps and the asset classes which is the most correlated to that is definitely covered bonds. Uh, We have increased uh, the exposure towards covered bonds this year. It provides a very attractive risk return profile given the very low credit risk and so we believe that in 2023 we'll see these swap rates and the government bond rates from Germany Tightening, so closer one to the other, which would mean that the covered bonds are definitely attractive. On governments, we have taken profit on our flattening position for German bonds since the two-year-five-year year curve has just inverted for Germany. But for the other countries, whether they are double A or triple B countries, we keep this flattening position on the government bonds on the two-year, ten year. So buying the 10-year government bonds from AA, BBB countries and aging through two-year in the euro area because it provides still an attractive opportunity. If you compare the U.S. curve, which is massively inverted, the 10-year rate in the U.S. is 50 bps lower than the two-year rate. It's interesting to see that in Europe for French 10-year, you still have 50 bps higher rates than the two-year. So whereas in the U.S. it's inverted, in europe if you take germany aside it's not inverted and it's still quite steep and provides definitely an opportunity for the belly of the curve maybe another uh, fixed income asset we like well investment grade credit investment grade credit is definitely cheap versus other asset classes but also versus fundamentals the net leverage remains very low and a lot of corporates are full of cash and in fact They're so full of cash for some that they have even tendered some bonds. So buying back their own 2023-2024 bonds in advance and buying at a pickup versus secondary market prices. So you see that there is definitely a very strong fundamentals for investment-grade credit. You have to be careful on some sectors overall. But at the end of the day, the fundamentals of the investment-grade corporates are very strong and you're very well priced in even in case of recession with the spread uh, you currently get there's one point to monitor on the investment grade credit it will be the prepayments of the tltro in november so tltro where the ecb lent some money to the banks the ecb did make some changes to the tltro conditions making them less favorable for the banks And it might lead to strong redemptions, early redemptions, of this TLTRO by the bank in November. If you have redemptions which are quite high, it would put a bit of pressure on primary market for banks for the start of the year. But so overall, very strong fundamentals on investment-grade credit, very attractive valuations, and so an asset class where we should build positions. Overall, for fixed income, what is sure is that uncertainties will remain very high and volatility, including intraday volatility, will remain very high. So it means that investors have to remain flexible.
0: On one hand, then, you actually sound pretty positive on the outlook for fixed income markets, which I imagine is a somewhat new sentiment after everything we've been through this year. Uh, Nonetheless, we know the risks are still out there. So in your opinion, then, what are the main underestimated risks for fixed income markets? Well,
1: indeed, there's one risk which is not that much discussed by the markets, and that's the wage price spiral risk. There's a reason why it's not much discussed. It's because for the time being, wages seem not to have reacted that much to inflation. If you look at negotiated wages, they remain pretty muted, when comparing them to inflation with 2.4 percent as of end of june however these measures are lagging and outdated as i mentioned the most recent data are as of june and in the meantime year-on-year inflation went up from 8.6 percent to 10.7 percent in october in eurozone In addition, we have had Germany massively increasing its minimum wage, as we discussed earlier during a podcast. Netherlands will increase the minimum wage by 10% in January. And you know that Belgium wages are indexed to inflation, and it will mainly apply at the beginning of next year. So given the time frame of this wage data in your area, we've seen the Central Bank of Ireland recently publishing a research paper trying to estimate wages on a more timely way. Other economists have built a monthly wage growth tracker based on data from millions of online job postings in six Euro countries, and this wage growth tracker points to 5.2% increase. So it's much higher than the uh, 2.4% negotiated wages increase that we got in June. So of course it's based on job posting, so it's based on the flow, and one may not drop too quickly to the same conclusion to a broader scope of employment. However, it shows that investors should pay attention to wages and to leading the indicators on wages. So overall, with the recession coming in uh, 2023, especially in countries such as Germany, we don't expect the second red effect scenario to be the base case. However, it has to be closely monitored. And when you mentioned the risks that are underestimated by the markets or under discussed, I would really point to, uh, to this one. But the real conclusion of all is that we're very positive on your fixed income for 2023, given what's already priced in and on the swap rates and in credit spreads, while we still keep an eye on wages.
0: Thanks very much, Arnaud Guillaume. If I can summarize some of the key points, uh, you highlighted that you know, without question, we've had a big adjustment in policy rates and in bond yields. But the good news is from here, uh, the worst should be behind us. Right now, markets are forecasting a 3% peak uh, in policy rates in the Eurozone, which you think is a reasonable level. And what that means is that carry is king. And you're looking for opportunities to pick up carry as opposed to anticipating big changes in the yields themselves. In terms of your preferred asset classes, you like covered bonds, investment-grade credit, uh, and broadly expect curves to flatten uh, in the Eurozone. There are risks, of course, and the key one you highlighted and particularly important because perhaps the market isn't paying enough attention to it, is the risk of a wage price spiral, which if it were to occur, would mean the ECB needs to hike rates yet further. Well, Arnaud Guillaume, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Dan. Always a pleasure to talk to you. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our new website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. If you like Talking Heads, leave us a positive review and a nice rating. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favorite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episodes every Monday afternoon. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and Arnaud Guillaume lamy Head of Euro Aggregate Fixed Income. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management